What's up, family? Everybody doing all right today? You guys good? What do you guys think of our new place? Do you guys like it? Is it all right? Uh, hey, I want to apologize. You know, when you, you build a house, if you ever built a house before, you, you probably have never built a house and then invited a thousand of your closest friends to come over the next day after you, you like, just opened it. Uh, when you do that, you know, you figure out that there's a bunch of things that you're still going to need to work on. So uh, for everybody that got stuck <laughs> in traffic out on Highway 89, I want to apologize, although I know I don't have to apologize too much because you live in Cabot. And uh, <laughs> you know what the first day of school is like. So, but, um, but we'll, and we'll mention again at the end of the service, but would you guys be all right? And, and here's the thing. I know we've already had print pieces go out and everything. We just some things we don't know how to prepare for. We don't know what's going to happen. Next weekend's going to be our grand opening, though. There's a good chance we're going to have even more people come into those services than these. And so uh, we're going to bump this to 11.15 instead of 11. And just to give us a little bit more time to try to get people out from the first service and allow you guys, you guys okay with that? What am I? Never mind. Who am I talking to? You're like, yeah. 11 o'clock, people. You're like, I was so mad that I had to give up 30 minutes of sleep, so... But that's probably what we're going to do. Um, Jared already mentioned, but I, I just want to real quick. We've had people up here the last couple of weeks, few weeks, every night, and, uh, late. Um, people that have full-time jobs, work all day long, and then came up here and been helping us uh, put stuff together, hang these crosses and put this and build stairs and, and put classrooms together. You guys like the new kids area? You guys like the rooms and all that? I was watching kids come out of there, going in there, just like, oh just like blown away. It's like stepping into the Ikea childcare place. It's awesome. So, uh, but, but we, that, none of that would have happened with people really just sacrifice a lot of time, time with their families. Would you guys give them all those folks a hand? We appreciate them. Come on, man. So good. And we got a, we got a, we got a great family here, but at the end of the day, we all know this, this couldn't happen without God's faithfulness. And, you know, I noticed last night, I was excited because I knew everybody would be in a good mood today because the hogs went last night. And, uh, and, 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 and the hogs somehow affect church. So, uh, so I'm thankful when the hogs win because everybody's going to be in a good mood and all that. But this one, I noticed, man, I get, that, that game got over. And my, my news feed for Facebook was just full. There was nothing else on Facebook but stuff about the hogs. That was it. And then I saw like one friend from Colorado that was like, climbing a mountain. I'm like, there's a normal person. <laughs> and, uh, but here's the thing. If you filled your newsfeed with the goodness of God and everything that he's done in your life, it, there's no way that the Razorbacks could ever compare to it. And so if you guys would, let's just give some glory and make some noise for the King of Kings and give him glory for this place this morning. Come on, man. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy. We're not talking the Razorbacks. We're talking the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Woo! Amen. Come on. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now sit down and shut up. (laughs) As a church, we've been in a year-long series. We're reading through the one-year Bible. If you're a visitor with us today, I just want to say welcome home. I'm so glad that you're here. It's our heart to get you connected to the purpose and call that God has on your life, to get you connected to the body of Christ. 
Uh, and so I hope you give us a chance to do that. If we can serve you anyway, answer questions you might have, we want to do that. We've been in this series, though, reading through the one-year Bible plan. And if you've never done that before, it's really cool. A lot of us are doing it on our phones in different ways. We have bookmarks available where you can follow along with the reading plan. But even if you're a visitor, I encourage you to jump in with us. We've also been praying as a church, uh, 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening. And, and we, we pick that time because it's referencing Second Chronicles 7.14. It's a verse that just talks about a nation that's in trouble, but if that nation will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, return back to God, and God's grace will be poured back out on them. And we just believe that as a church, it's important that we're standing in the gap for our nation. And I encourage you to, to jump on that with us too and, and pray with us in the morning and in the evening and just intercede for our nation and pray for our leadership. But in the one-year Bible, this, this next week, middle of the week, we're gonna hit this book, Galatians. Now, this is a cool book, but here's the thing. This book, it, it probably slaps Southerners in the face more than any other book in the Bible. And the reason is because this book addresses religion. It addresses a spirit of religion. And living in the South and living in the Bible Belt, this is something that we've grown up around, probably struggled with it at one point or another, and, and maybe even might be struggling with it even now. Paul wrote this book. Let me, a little bit of context about Paul. Paul he was, he was known as uh, Saul of, of Tarsus. Originally, he was renamed Paul. And this guy was a religious leader. He was like the Jew of Jews. He knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. These guys, they would follow the law of the Old Testament like to the T. Now, none of them were perfect, but these were the guys, they would get it like, they would get it as close as you could possibly get it. Because he believed in the law and loved the law of the Old Testament, he also didn't like Christians. He didn't like the church. He didn't like what they called the way at that time because this was a gospel of grace and forgiveness that was setting people free from the law. And so he didn't like that. So he, his whole life was about ruining Christians, ruining the church. In fact, he would give authorization for Christians to be killed. And, but then one day, as he's on the road to go do some more religious stuff, he had this encounter with Jesus. He saw Jesus and it changed him forever. It changed him and set him free from his religious spirit. So then he became an apostle, which means one that is sent. And he went to all these different places and he would raise up leaders and pastors and teachers and fivefold ministry guys and, and he would equip them and then release them to go start churches. And one of the places that he went to to start churches is Galatia. And when the church started there, it started off really well, but then these guys came along, these guys called the Judeezers, and these guys were telling him, okay, it's fine. Yeah, we love Jesus too. It's fine for you to love Jesus. Love Jesus, that's great. But it's got to be Jesus plus the law. And so they would say things like, okay, it's fine for you to, to follow Jesus. But, but if you're not circumcised, you still got to be circumcised. Like, even like grown men. How many of y'all know that ain't God? Okay, that, that, there's, a, there's your hint right there. But... And he would say, okay, you, you can love Jesus, but you got to add a lot of works to it. you got to do a lot of stuff if you're going to be a believer. And so Paul was seeing all this stuff, and it ticked him off. And so a lot of these letters is addressing these issues. One of the hardest things that we've dealt with as a church since starting here in Arkansas is dealing with the spirit of religion. Like, harder than almost anything else that we had to deal with. Like, it's harder than dealing with LSU fans. It's harder than, you know, dealing with all of that. Harder than dealing with Hogs fans after the Hogs lose. Like, the hardest thing that we have to deal with is the spirit of religion. One of our kids' pastors a while back, they had just gotten done teaching the kids over a few weeks about God's grace and his love and mercy. And, 
So he was going back to the kids and just wanted to review, just wanted to make sure, hey, I want to make sure you guys get this. And so he posed this question, what does it take to get to heaven? What do you have to do to get to heaven? And he started giving some examples. Like, what if you sold your car and gave all the money to the church? Would that get you into heaven? And all the kids were like, no. Well, what if, what if you came and you cleaned the bathrooms at the church every Sunday before church for a year? Would that get you into heaven? No. And the kid's pastor thought he was funny. So then he said, well, what if you bought a pet for somebody? Like, what if you bought Pastor Rick or Pastor James a cat? Would that get you into heaven? No. In fact, that'd probably get you a one-way ticket to, we'll just call it Hades for now. He said, well, what does it take to get into heaven? This smart aleck 10-year-old kid sitting in the back wall is like, well, obviously you got to die first, stupid. It's like, So we kicked that kid out. <laughs> I'm joking. This is what it says in Galatians 5.11. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The spirit of religion starts with that question, what do I have to do to get into heaven? That's where religion starts. What do I do to get into heaven. And what this says is, look, it's for freedom. The Christ, it's so redundant though. It's for freedom that Christ sets you free. It's like the who's on first thing. <laughs> okay, I, I get it, he set me free, but what, why did he set me free? What do I have to do now that he set me free? No, it's just for freedom. That's it, it's just for freedom that he sets you free. No, but yeah, okay, ugh. But what do I have to do now that he set me free, I've got to do something, right? No. It's for freedom. It's just for freedom. That's it. And then it says, don't go back to that yoke of slavery where you think that you can earn the love of God because you can't. Look, religion never works. Uh, religion actually comes from the root word bondage. Jesus was not religious. In fact, Jesus would much rather hang out with a lost person deep in sin than to hang out with a self-righteous hypocrite any day of the week. How many of you guys like hanging out with self-righteous hypocrites? Okay, well, then you're in the right place. We don't have a lot of them here. I'm really thankful for that. And every once in a while when we do get them, they don't stay long, praise God. They go somewhere else. Nobody likes hanging out around a self-righteous hippo. Nobody does. And religious people hate what I just said. (laughs) They don't even like that. It drives them crazy. Religion has a major issue. But all of us can have a little bit of it in us. And more than likely, all of us do have a little bit of it in us. Let me give an example. It's like working out or, or healthy eating. Ever met somebody and they never worked out their whole life and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to make some changes, all right? So they go and they get a membership and they start working out. So like, they start working out like five days a week for a month. And then they're out walking around they see somebody that they don't think works out and they look at them like, they obviously don't work out. Loser. 
I've been working out a month. I'm the man. Or you're driving around town and you're choking down your wheatgrass, kale, and beets smoothie. Mm. And you see somebody in the drive-thru for a fast food restaurant. You're like, I can't believe they do that to their bodies. Well, you may have a point there, but at least they're not going to die with a nasty taste in their mouth. So get you some of that. So many people would rather work for their salvation than just receive. A lot of people would rather do difficult things if they felt like, man, this is going to help me earn my salvation. If I told you, man, to be saved, you've got to crawl on your hands and knees from here to Fayetteville. You'd see people on the freeway climbing, crawling on their hands and knees because they... We like the idea that we could earn salvation more than it's easy for us just to accept salvation, just to walk in it. Galatians 1, 6 says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by grace, the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And you're, you're turning away. You're getting to a place where you think that you can do something to have this salvation. Look, religion is man's attempt at reaching God. But Christianity is all about what God did to reach us. And there wasn't anything that we did or can do to deserve it. Religion says there's this distance, there's this gap between me and God, and I've got to do something to try to close that gap. Christianity is all about God closing the gap and being near. And it's not something that you can earn. Every once in a while, Cody will come home from the grocery store. And when she comes in the house, she would never be so ridiculous to say something like, hey, guys, I got a bunch of groceries. Everybody come and get a load. Oh, no, 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 no. I will get every stinking bag myself. So you go out, open up the trunk, and you start weaving your hand through all the plastic bags. Got them loaded up all the way up on your arm, you know. You got 19 on this and 21 on this. Right arm slightly stronger, okay. You lift that thing up. Rip your shoulders out of socket. Your, your arms are bleeding. There's no more blood coming to your appendages at all. Everything's turning purple. But this is what you do when you're a man. And so you've got these bags and you carry. You can't even get to the doorknob because you have so many bags in the way. Open the door! Somebody comes and opens the door, you go inside, just sling those suckers up on the countertop, and then walk away like a mic drop. Don't ever question my grocery bag carrying ability, ever. Here's the thing, though. You can't carry your sin, and you can't carry religion, and you weren't designed to. It's a load that God never intended for you to carry. Jesus carried it. Jesus carried it. Three problems with religion. Religion brings confusion. Religion brings confusion. You know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were walking with God in the cool of the day, just hanging out with God. This was God's original intention for us, just like free, not worrying about anything, just enjoying the presence of God. And God said, look, Adam, it's got this whole garden. You can, you can have anything in this garden that you want 
But there's one thing you can't have. In the middle of the garden, I put these two trees. One is the tree of life, and I want you to have that as much as you can. And that was a symbol, a reflection of Jesus, the tree of life. Have the tree of life. Have the tree of life. But there's this other tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't have that. And if you have that, you're going to die. But then Satan came along, and Satan manipulated the words of God. Religion will always have to do with the manipulation of God's word. And Satan comes along, and he manipulates God's words to convince Eve. No, 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 no. He, he told you not to. He's, he knows if you eat from this tree, you're going to become like him. And maybe Eve, maybe she's just, oh, I'll be like, God, God's cool. I want to be like God. Yeah. Why not? So she eats it, and then she convinced Adam to do the same thing. And that is when religion entered into the world, because at that point they had a knowledge and understanding of what was good and what was bad. But the problem is, anytime you take your finite ability to wrap your mind and your understanding and your knowledge around how big God is and how loving he is and how gracious he is, you're in trouble. And that's what religion does. Religion looks at the good and the bad that you can do or that someone else is doing and saying, oh, that's godly or that's not godly. And it's religion and it's confusing because it's subjective. Everybody has their own opinion of the good and evil that they see around them. And this is how you create division among the church. These issues, denominations. Galatians 1.7 says this, Evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, the message of Jesus Christ, let him be eternally condemned. Now, I want you to notice this, though. Go back. Go back. I'm scrolling. Okay. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Consider this. The spirit of religion that is in the Bible belt is merely a perverted gospel. It's man's attempt at trying to shape his mind and, and control this thing, and it's a perverted gospel. Some of us have grown up around a perverted gospel that is based on works and doing instead of on God's grace, love, and forgiveness. Religion confuses people. And it sends mixed messages. It sends mixed messages to lost people. You ever been on a date with somebody and, and it seems like all the response that you're getting from this person seems to indicate that they're into you. You know, like they're laughing at every joke that you tell and, and there's just, you're having just such a great time. But then you get to the end of the date and they say something like this. Man, I'm just, I'm so thankful for that God put you in my life as my friend. And I'm just so glad that we're just always going to be friends. And you're like, oh, oh hold, hold, on. hold on. These are not my I want to be friends jeans, okay? I didn't put on my I want to be friends jeans, okay? You mis misunderstood what was going on here. The world is so confused because who's right? Unchurched, de people? Like, which, which, which one of these 
which one of these people are right? Because they're all saying that they've got something that someone else doesn't have, and they're all saying that they're right and everyone else is wrong. And so who's right? Which denomination's got it right? Now, every denomination has spirit-filled, life-giving churches. Don't get me wrong on that. But the world's perception is that it's religious and it's confusing because the messages are all different in different ways. They've gotten away from the main thing. That's why Paul says, examine yourselves to see that you're really in the faith. Don't be confused. Don't let your life examine yourselves. There's life in this. We don't want to lose this thing. Look, here's the thing. We don't worship because we have to. We worship because there's life in worship. We don't pray because we have to. We pray because there's life in prayer. We also don't not look at pornography on a computer because it's the wrong thing to do. We don't look at pornography on a computer because we don't want to kill the spirit that is in us. We don't want to dampen the life-giving spirit that God has given to us. When you taste and see that God is good, his love is good, you're motivated to stay away from those things. Not because you shouldn't do something, but because you just don't want to hinder your relationship with God in any way. We don't do these things because we have to. We do these things because it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Romans 14.1 says, Welcome with open arms. This is the message translation. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers, who don't see things the way that you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something that you don't agree with, even when it seems like they're strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. The problem with religion is it'll always move you from a place of compassion to a place of comparison and competition. Number two, religion focuses on our works, what we can do, our works. Galatians 1.10, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Romans 8.5 says, the law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now that the law code asked for what we couldn't deliver is accomplished, is accomplished as we instead, as we instead of redoubling our own efforts. In other words, you just can't double up on the things that you do to try to accomplish this. Simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. When you have a religious heart, you think that God's love for you is determined by what you do and don't do. You're going to think that it's conditional, based on what you do or don't do. This is what it says in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. It doesn't matter how good you are. You can't earn something that's free. Think about how ridiculous it would be like Christmas morning. Everybody's sitting around. They start handing gifts out. Give a gift. Somebody gives a gift to you. You're like, oh, thanks so much. This is great. Thanks, thanks. Hope that's enough. Okay, thanks. Don't pay for something that is a gift. You can't pay for something that's given to you for free. This is what God is trying to do. 
It's so important that we understand that, that when you gossip or, or betray someone, God doesn't love you any less. Uh, when you, you get angry and punch holes in walls and cuss at people and say things that you regret saying, God doesn't love you any less. When you have premarital sex or, you, or you're in a, a sexual lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God, God doesn't love you any less. When you're addicted to drugs and alcohol, God doesn't love you any less. When you take steroids or have an eating disorder or spend money on things that you don't need, God doesn't love you any less. God hates sin. And there are consequences for sin. But God is not going to love anyone any less because of their sin. And I don't think his church should either. If we have the love of Christ in us, then we shouldn't love them any less either. Does that mean that we are okay with their sin? No, we hate their sin because their sin is keeping them away from God. Their sin is hurting them. But we shouldn't love them any less. There's nothing that you can do that it's going to ever make God love you any more or less. He's always going to love you the same. He is love. The other side of this is you, you can't do something to make him love you more. Like when you read your Bible all the time, God's not going to love you anymore. When you pray, just like call down fire from heaven and just this Holy Spirit's there and you're hearing from God and all this and that's great. But guess what? God's not going to love you anymore because you pray more than someone else. God's not going to love you anymore because you have good church attendance. God isn't going to love you anymore because you avoided the crazy parties. God's not going to love you anymore if you stayed a virgin until you were married. God's not going to love you more. But there are blessings for living the life that is laid out according to the word of God. There are blessings and there are rewards and God wants you to have those. But guess what? He's not going to love you anymore if you live that way. He's still going to love you the same because he's love. And he doesn't change. When you understand this, you won't want to sin. You'll want to stay away from sin when you understand this. Look, in the South, man, we're, we're good people, right? South is known for having good old boys and good old girls. We're just good old boys and good old girls. I mean, we do, we're good people. I mean, we, we love America. Love America. We love skinning deer, driving trucks, chewing tobacco, and that's just the women. We say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. We open the door for ladies. We stand for the national anthem. In the South, we do things because we know they're good and they're right. And standing for the national anthem is good and it's right and it makes you feel patriotic. But guess what? It doesn't make you righteous. Because none of us are good. It's good to do good things. <laughs> Except for the chewing tobacco thing. You may want to hold off on that. I'm just saying. It's... Cody's got chewing her mouth right now, still praying for her, so... I'm joking. It's not true. You did drink out of a spit cup one time, though, didn't you? Okay, that'll cure you. 
You won't want it after that. You may view the Bible as a bunch of stories of heroes versus villains. But the truth is, it's all villains and one hero. His name is Jesus. No one else is a hero. I'm definitely not a hero. I tried and I failed. All I am, well, I'm just a forgiven and redeemed villain. That's what I am. Number three, religion can keep you away from salvation. Can keep you away from salvation. I got saved when I was seven years old. I was at a Christian rock and roll concert. It was awesome. I mean, the big 80s hair, you know, nasty mullets, a lot of hot pink. And, but I marched myself down there and I got saved and it was genuine. I, I, I know for a fact I invited God to have control of my life and Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. But right after that, I got wrapped up in religion almost immediately because I went back to a church that was religious. And, and I remember the first time I got baptized, I didn't get baptized because I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me to. I got baptized because some of my other friends were getting baptized. So I got baptized because it was a cool thing to do. And some of us in this room, you, you went down to the altar at some point, you might have even gotten baptized, but you did those things because, because it was the thing to do or because you were afraid to go to hell. And here's the thing, though. When you make the decision based on those things, for the rest of your life, you're just going to keep rededicating your life to God, like at every conference and every retreat and every service. But here's the thing. You're not rededicating your life to God. rededicating your life to religion. Because when you understand the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ, you're sealed in his name. And you don't have to keep doing that. As long as you think it's about what you can do, you're never going to feel secure in relationship with him. At one point or another, though, God wants to have an encounter with you that changes you and sets you free from the law of sin and death. That's what he wants. He wants you to have that relationship. In Galatians 1.13, this is Paul speaking, he says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. Look, I was consumed with the law. I was religious, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. And it was, I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't even consult any man. God wants you to have your own but when God moment. There's so many people here that have had a but when God moment. Like my marriage was over, but when God. Or I, I was bogged down with depression. I couldn't even get out of bed, but when God. I was addicted to this or that, but when God. I was crippled in fear and insecurity, but when God, I lost a loved one, but when God, this last week we had a family in our church lose their 20-year-old son in a moped accident. This is a kid that was in, in Kid Life, and Cody and I were Kid Life pastors, great kid, incredible. And as the pastors were talking to him throughout this week, at one point this is what they said. They said, you know, we probably shouldn't be doing good at all 
But when God is for you, nothing is against you, even death. No matter what the situation or circumstances, but when God. We want to be a church that is about that moment. That testimony that people can say, but when God. Even a building can be religious. People can look at a building as a symbol of religion. Let this be a place where people come and we celebrate the freedom that Jesus has given us. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I just want to pray for you. If you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you a chance to do that. If you're away from God, maybe you need to rededicate your life and come back to him today. I'm not going to embarrass you, but with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to be bold enough. And I want to know who I'm praying with. So I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it back down. Got you over here. Got it right here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As soon as I see you, put your hand down. Got it. Coming across here. As soon as I see you, make sure I see you. I just want you, it's not important to say that I see you. I just want to affirm in you that as a pastor, I can see you making this decision. And it's important. I don't want to know who I'm praying with. Anybody else? I need to accept Jesus. I need to rededicate my life to him. hands go up. Praise God for that. So let's just do this as a church family. Let's all just pray this prayer together. Repeat after me with some confidence. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I give you control. I want to live for you. I want to live in your freedom. I want to live according to your word and the leading of your spirit. Help me to be connected to the body of Christ. Be my Lord and Savior and be my best friend in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray that we would be a church that is an accurate reflection of your word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would be a place where people come and find freedom that you set them free for. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. He's good. Let's all stand together.